If I could have five minutes with Donald Trump, I think I could convince him. <laughs> the Green Rush is real. From lawmakers and investment bankers to CEOs and investors, we'll look at how people are transforming cannabis from the shadows of the black market into a cash crop that draws in cannapreneurs from Hollywood to Wall Street. Here to help you navigate the business of cannabis, please welcome Lewis Goldberg and Ann Donahoe. Brought to you by KCSA Strategic Communications. So the big news of the week, um, Constellation Brands took a 10% stake in Canopy Growth, which is the big Canadian-based holding company and really one of the biggest names in quote-unquote corporate weed. Um, It was a source of major buzz. (laughs) I get it. Throughout the industry. Um, And we've had a lot of our clients come out with their thoughts. um, And we'd love to hear Alan's take on it. I think it's, it's pretty interesting news, not only for the week, but probably for the year in the industry. I'm Ann Donahoe, along with Lewis Goldberg, and today we're chatting with Alan Brockstein, a leading voice in the cannabis investing community. Um, He's the founder of 420 Investor, which is a community of cannabis investors, as well as the founder of New New Cannabis Ventures, which is a media venture that produces original content, lots of great original content, as well as some of the best of the web. So uh, you're definitely a must read for all of us in the industry, and we're really excited to have you on. Oh, yeah, for sure. And uh, first of all, I, I want to thank you guys for having me on today. Uh, I'm very impressed with what you guys have done so far in the cannabis space. We thank seem you. to share some similar values and I've gotten to know Todd a little bit and Phil a little bit more and glad to know the both of you as well. And, uh, and Todd and Phil to- are people that nobody on this podcast has ever mentioned before. <laughs> yeah. Todd, Todd is a, a partner at KCSA and Phil runs the cannabis investor relations practice. Um, but we keep them, you know, behind the curtain. Nobody actually has to look or talk, look well, at thank them. Thank God. Or talk to I know. Them. But uh, uh-huh. no, but you have no idea. I'm sure everybody wants to know what's going on in the cannabis space. But seriously, behind the scenes, the fact that companies are able to work with with a respected company like yours and to do so in a legitimate way, I think such a, a big difference compared to a few years ago. And I'm sure we'll maybe uh, head back that way later in the conversation. But I, I just wanted to say that before we got started. I appreciate Aww. that. Well, so it's funny because, you know, we both bet large parts of our career on this space, right? I mean, you were a traditional uh, analyst. We have historically been a traditional public relations and investor relations firm and both have made a big gamble as, as respected. And I'm not saying that we're respected, but you're respected member I'm of the finance. not finan- respected either. <laughs> <laughs> but, but seriously, we really have taken a risk here. So why did you yep. take this risk? We can get back to Constellation Brands, but why did you jump into cannabis? Yeah, I was in the right place at the right time. And, uh, I'll keep it really brief because I know we don't have a lot of time, but I've always been pro-cannabis and never really much of a consumer, just a, a little bit in college, maybe after college. But uh, I was really out of it when uh, the news kind of hit in uh, late 2012 with Colorado and Washington. I, I honestly didn't even see it. Uh, and uh, at the time, I was an independent analyst and working with some uh, small hedge funds and money managers. Also, a little bit of uh, work with the general public through some uh, model portfolios and my blogging at Seeking Alpha. And I just re- literally stumbled into it. And as a lifelong small L libertarian, sometimes a big L in my younger life, <laughs> uh, this was an important issue to me just on fundamental reasons, but I, I was totally ignorant. So uh, long story short, I-, I felt that there was a huge need for somebody uh, that could really look at these companies that were trading publicly and they looked like total scams. And a lot of people were buying into it and there was nobody looking out for investors 
So yeah, you've been you've been called the 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 spokesman of the the retail investor. So it's yeah. it is good to have somebody like you um, who can really speak truth about what a lot of these public companies are doing. And maybe it makes sense for us to to formally introduce you. Yeah, that's a good. Let's go for it. <laughs> Alan, the very first app I open up in the morning is the new Cannabis Ventures app because it's always got news overnight and it's so relevant, um, whether it's a press release or original content. So I, I, I'm a big fan. I appreciate that, too, that we can credit my partner, Joel, for that. That's a whole nother story because I was like, why should we do this app thing? Nobody uses apps. You know, I'm 53. What do I know? And uh, it's going to cannibalize our great uh, web content. And Sure enough, the app has become just a, a killer, killer source of information. And people will come up to me. Uh, you know, I was out in San Francisco recently, and they're like, "I rely on your app religiously." And uh, so, kudos to my partner Joel on that one. Totally. Shout totally. out to Joel. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, most of the people who are tuning in to listen to this clearly have a really deep love for the industry, whether it's because they're consumers or they're market participants or interested in, in being an investor. Um, it, for anybody who is not familiar, would you tell them to get involved in cannabis now? Has the ship sailed or are we really early days? So just to clarify, are we talking about the public markets? or It's up general? to you. However you want to answer yeah, that. Okay. It could be so, in any way. Yeah. So when I, I was saying earlier, when I showed up in 2013, kind of out of the blue and started to research and learn and uh, took a lay of the land, it looked pretty bad. And I wouldn't have suggested to anybody that they put a dime into any of these companies. Yet the company still went up like 10x. So, you know, what do I know? But from a fundamental standpoint, th there was nothing to that. It was just uh, lightning struck. Uh, Colorado went legal and we really paid a big price as an industry uh, when that happened because a lot of fast money came into the market and then, uh, you know, people bought the momentum and they, they lost a lot of money and they, they, they probably permanently decided that cannabis stocks are a scam. This is a joke. And uh, so I stuck with it. And honestly, I, I almost wasn't able to. It was uh, my sole source of income uh, was a 420 investor and it was dwindling. There was a, a lack mm -hmm. of interest. Prices were in decline. Is so that to answer because question, you think that, I'm sorry, what, just, is it because these companies are all over-the-counter companies and your penny stocks? I mean, if yeah, they were well, listed so on the I'll NASDAQ or the New York Stock Exchange, they, they would change the dynamic? Yeah, it wasn't so much the exchange, but it, it really was just a, a, a lack of good companies uh, for the most part. But just the fact the prices ran up so much in early 14 and we're in decline until early 16. And uh, so, so things change. And so to answer your question, I think it's actually extremely early, believe it or not. That was the preseason. And some guy hit it over the fence uh, three times. He went up to bat four times in a game and hit it over every time. But it was preseason, right? So right. who cares? And uh, so what's changed in the last few years and why it's become so interesting to me is that you have, especially north of the border in Canada, you have just a huge global industry where people uh, are making a lot of money, but there's substance to the companies. Uh, when I say people, investors are making money, but there's substance to the companies. And we're starting to see that capital get cycled into the United States. And then at New Cannabis Ventures, we just uh, launched, again, I'm going to credit my partner, Joel. We launched a uh, feature uh, where we track the revenue of the leading companies. Uh, and as long as you file with the SEC or with uh, SADAR or CEDAR, I say Seder because I'm Jewish, but I don't know if they say Seder <laughs> up in Canada. 
Well, uh, now I'm hungry. Well, and then the <laughs> other thing is, anytime you look at one of these stocks, you go, Manish Tana, what's, what is different about this stock than every exactly. other stock? So that's for sure. But uh, so we're tracking uh, companies in, in Canada and in the United States that have $10 million a year or more of revenue, which is, to me, just phenomenal compared to where we were just, just two years ago. And, you know, it's, it's not, uh, you know, the flip side is, well, is it too late? And I, I'd say absolutely not. I mean, I, I am seeing companies, you know, Cowan just started covering uh, canopy growth up in Canada, but Kush bottles in the United States, which to me was just remarkable. But, hey, that's one Wall Street firm looking yeah. at these companies that, honestly, companies like Kush bottles or some well, of the other clients that are – What's that? I'm sorry. Vivian Azer is the analyst at Cowan, and and yep. she also covers companies like Constellation. So it makes sense, right? She yep. see there is it's a lot. There is on her part, sure. Well, and you see, yep. and you see reporters like Aaron Smith at uh, CNN, who we've interviewed, who covers you know alcohol and 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 tobacco and firearms, and you you see people like Jenny Kaplan at Business Week, who covers alcohol and um, soda companies. I mean. The, the media is starting to take it seriously. It's time for, for others other than you in Wall Street to take it seriously as well, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Let, let's go back to that first question you asked me. Right. You know, and I, I had a webinar yesterday with uh, uh, the CEO of Canopy Growth, and I, I can tell they're a little upset. Well, yeah, they're happy their stock went up, but they see they see all, this, all these comments out there. But it's a validation for the sector, this big deal. And for those that aren't familiar with it, Constellation Brands, which is a pretty forward-looking stodgy company. I say stodgy because, you know, they're in a mature industry, but they're, they're one of the more forward-looking alcohol companies. And they have, uh, believe it or not, they have what I believe is the largest wine store presence in mm. Ontario uh, called the Wine Rack. And uh, they came out a year ago and uh, publicly said they'd like to get into, to can into cannabis. And you know, I, I think they saw an opportunity, but also, you know, a risk of cannibalization of what they're doing over time. And it's really difficult for a U.S. company to do that. You can't do that in the United States. And uh, they got comfortable with, with canopy growth uh, um, over, I guess, you know, it really, it really took them almost a year. Bruce, Bruce Linton was saying he couldn't even remember all the details, but wow. he did tell me privately that it didn't all finally come together until the Friday night before uh, the Sunday that they announced the deal. And, uh, so it is, it is a validation. I'm going to, I'm going to disagree a little bit with canopy. It's, it tells you kind of what the future is going to look like. And right now there are a lot of companies that would like to be involved, but this, the complexity of federal illegality makes it impossible. And so kind of what I've been preaching for the last couple of years, which is keep your eye, maybe your money in Canada is playing out and uh, constellation brands saw that. And for those that aren't really familiar with the deal, uh, they invested 245 million Canadian, which is 191 million right now U.S., uh, to buy 9.9 percent of the company with warrants at the same price to take an additional 9.9 percent or round it up to 20 percent. Uh, so that was the deal, and it's a strategic type deal. And they didn't really lay out a lot of the details about what the strategic value is, but clearly. Uh, Constellation wants to be able to bring the IP to do cannabis-based beverages without alcohol in the United States in the future when it's permissible, but they're going to go into Canada right now where it's still not permissible to do that, believe it or not, but in two years it will be.
Okay, with that, why don't we take a break? And when we come back on the Green Rush, we'll talk more with Alan about the the canopy deal and uh, how to look at public stocks. More Green Rush coming up after we roll through our sponsors. Cannabis concentrates have been around for hundreds of centuries. In 19th century America, extracts mixed with other herbs were sold as a miracle cure. Now, Apex Supercritical has elevated the science of extraction into the 21st century. Apex Supercritical is the leader in CO2 extraction, which is the cleanest, safest, and purest way to extract plant oils. ROI in as little as three weeks. Our cost-effective systems are fully automated with an industry-leading three-year warranty. And if we don't have your system in stock, we can build one in as little as four weeks. Bringing CO2 extraction to the masses. Learn more at apeksupercritical.com. Four-week build excludes high production systems. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. Bought a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put different celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chich and Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is Himping, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Banking Inc. and Bud. Understanding the business of cannabis. Welcome back to The Green Rush. Only on CannabisRadio.com. We're back with Alan Brockstein, who is um, a major influence in the cannabis industry from an investment standpoint. His uh, 420, I screwed that up. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We're back with Alan Brockstein. He is the founder of 420 Investor, which is a must read, um, as well as New Cannabis Ventures. Um, And we're talking about the canopy deal with Constellation Brands and the impact. Um, can we talk a little bit about uh, what you think this does um, five years from now? How, do, how? What does this deal look like in five years if we can put put well, the magic so you know, eight ball in, in your cannabis, hands? Yeah, in cannabis, uh, in the cannabis industry, they say it's like dog years. So you're asking me kind of like what 35 <laughs> years from now looks like. And, uh, well, in 2014, you said that it was 2018 that we would yeah. see real money flow into cannabis. So you, are you still, even though this is a big deal, are you still holding to that prediction? It's I, I have to push it out a little bit, honestly, uh, when we're talking about the United States. But uh, but but to, to take a longer term view, I, I think it's uh, I'm I am not a big believer that we're going to legalize federally anytime soon uh, under this administration. Although I, I, I think if I could have five minutes with Donald Trump, I think I could convince him that <laughs> I'm not going to be able to do that. So but uh, uh, he loves Texans. Or what are you talking about? Yeah, right. No, I just I think that. He should be for it. And I, I think I could tell I him think why. I he is. Well, right? no, he's, no. He said, no, he's not for it. He's just not against I mean, against like 10 years ago he was. Yeah, right? I, I think. Well, 10 years ago I, he was a Democrat. That's what I mean, yeah. I don't want to get into <laughs> criticizing or praising yes. our president, but it's pretty clear that the way it's looking now, uh, we have to push out federal legalization. And, you know, a lot of people mistakenly uh, say it's, in, it's inevitable because we have more than 50% of the states and, you could have 50 states have state legalization and still be federally illegal. So I think it's complex. It's going to take a while and that investors should be looking at some of the points uh, 
the pain points being addressed, uh, i.e. 280E, the tax yeah. issue, uh, the ability to do research. I mean, how ironic is that this week to have the FDA had Gottlieb talking about these cancer claims, and I'm, I'm 100% with him, by the way, uh, that there are a lot of scammers out there that are making false claims. But at the same time, why can't he finish the sentence? Why can't he say, and by the way, we should be doing that research. But uh, so when I look out well, in a few years, which is it, uh, probably five years, like you said, and we're federally legal, it's, it's a consumer product. And uh and a medicinal product and, 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 you know, and a commodity. I mean, it is, it is a lot of different things. Yeah, that's right? true. And I was going to say, I view it in three different buckets. I view it as uh, the, the pure biotech, like GW Pharma bucket, where you go through the FDA path and you get your drug approved. I see it as the pure recreational, uh, you know, we, we see the marketing today and that's probably not going to go away, but uh, you know, that's not really what I like. And then you have the health and wellness part, which is, I think, a huge untapped market. And that's the one that should scare Constellation brands, competitors, uh, given that Constellation is getting prepared right now, because the ability to consume cannabis as an alternative to beer or wine and socially, that's where we're headed in a few years. And it's going to there's a lot of things that need to be addressed along the way. You need to have a fast acting onset. And small doses, and we're we're seeing that those types of trends develop now. So the technology and uptake of that is coming along. But you know, in five years, I think uh, you go into a bar, probably anywhere. I don't want to say five years, but maybe right. a little bit longer. But you'll go into the bar, and you say, "Yeah, I'll, I'll have," and it'll be a cannabis beverage with no alcohol in it, which is, I, I think, going to be great. No, no cirrhosis of the liver with it either. <laughs> so, so we started the conversation, and I asked you, you know, you bet your career on this. Would you advise others to do the same? And if they're on the outside looking in at the cannabis space, whether it be from an investing perspective, uh, trying to get a license to grow or dispense, or in some other way, would you encourage people who are entrepreneurial in nature to jump into the space? Uh, yeah, that's tough. I, I think that there's definitely uh, a lot of reasons to embrace the industry, but it depends on what you have to lose. And I always tell people, uh, you know, people with a ton of money, why would you want to put $5 million if you're worth a billion into the cannabis industry, into a direct cannabis company, if, if it's going to put you in harm's way, even at some small percentage, there's just not enough upside. And there's a lot of downside, even if it's improbable. So I don't want to say categorically, yes, everybody should jump in, but let me flip it and say, you know, I run a LinkedIn group. There's 10,800 people in it. It's the largest cannabis-focused one. And, you know, LinkedIn, pretty nerdy place. And uh, there are a mm. lot of people jumping into the industry. There's a lot of excitement. There's not any guarantee of success. There's actually, you know, just like any industry, any startup industry, there's a lot of failure. But I think uh, I think people should consider it, definitely. Okay. Um, so... You've said, and, and you said earlier today, that there are a tremendous number of shady companies, public shady companies. And, and I, I'm not sure I agree with you that it's specific to the industry. I think it is specific to the exchange, that being on the OTC and backing into public shells tends to attract a certain type of CEO. Um, and they, you know, cross industry. That said, I'm, people who yep. are here are, are paying attention to cannabis. 
Um, is there something that you can tell an investor to look at in a filing or the way a com sure. company communicates that will indicate this is a no invest company? Yep. Well, so yeah, unfortunately, so I'm tracking almost 600 companies. Some of them are already defunct, so I'm not really tracking them so actively. But over the last few years, that's how many tickers uh, have come up. And I, I agree with you. This has nothing to do with cannabis. This is penny stock garbage. Yep. And, uh, and it's not necessarily just the CEO. I've, I've met some really good people that are CEOs, and they were blindsided by these behind-the-scenes financiers type. And that's really where the issue lies, just to make sure we're all on the same page there. Yeah, and, I agree. And so the, uh, the things to watch out for, it, uh, I always say the first thing you do is, do they file with the SEC? We're talking about a U.S. company. If they don't file with the SEC – there's very little reason to continue to do due diligence. And sure, some of these stocks can go up a lot, but in the long term, they won't. So if you're a trader, forget about it. It doesn't matter. Do whatever you want. But if you're an investor, if they don't file with the SEC, forget about it. And that's an easy first step. Uh, then I say take a look at the uh, website and, and their filings, but uh, and then see if it even makes sense. Like I, I have identified companies that it's like so obvious that they're a fake company. They're domiciled at a post office box. <laughs> they don't have a phone number on their website. If you call the phone number that's on the website, it goes straight to voicemail. And oh, by the way, it's the CEO's cell phone. So these are like some simple things. Uh, I spend a lot of time warning people about these scams and uh, often publicly. I've, I'm, you know, I take a lot of risk. I got sued for $100 million a few years ago. Wow. For calling out a company that's now long gone bankrupt. And, uh, and uh, literally all I did was cut and paste their filings and share them publicly. And they called that defamation, which I found ironic. <laughs> and so, yeah. And so anyway, uh, those are some of the tips. If, if, if people have uh, uh, other questions like that, I, I've published something publicly and I can maybe give you all a link. Uh, That'd be great. We'll put it in the diligence. show notes. Yep. So yeah. I, Whenever people want free information, which a lot of people want free information, I say, here you go. And this is something my subscribers asked me to do for them. And I did it and I share it publicly now. Can we take a little bit of a shift and talk about what you're hearing from institutional investors? Uh, you know, a lot of these uh, investors that are subscribing to your newsletter um, and listening to you and reading you um, are on the retail side. What are you hearing yep. from hedge funds and other institutional inventor, investors about this space? Yeah, it's interesting. We are starting to see some some better types of large investors in the space and still a little bit questionable. Uh, there are some big funds that have been out there, MedMen, Tuatara, Privateer's not a fund, but uh, there's definitely been a few large capital pools, but for the most part, this is, like you said, uh, still a retail space. And it's. I used to run money for a company that managed $10 billion, And when I was in equities, we managed $500 million at this other firm. There's no way we would have ever been able to invest other people's money into well, this space. They, so, aren't, aren't almost all hedge funds structured that they can't invest in things that would be considered illegal? Racketeering? Illegal, yeah. Yep. So and, and I know that. Even deeper. Yeah. yeah. It's not. Think about it. If you invest in uh, an ancillary company that's deriving 100% of their money, if you're a real fiduciary, you, you probably want to be cautious about that. Even if they're not directly selling cannabis, if they're benefiting 
entirely from it, it, it may be an issue. So what I'm seeing is that there are a lot of family offices uh, that are investing in the space and extremely interested, going slow. And then there are a ton of tire kickers out there. And so the old joke is the hedge fund manager won't invest the money he manages, but he'll invest his or her own <laughs> He'll invest own his money. own, right? Yeah, yeah. we are. We're, so with that, actually, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with Alan and talk uh, more about how to figure out what to do with your money. More Green Rush coming up after we roll through our sponsors. Introducing 420 Cloud, ignited by MSIG, one of the fastest growing social apps around. The only app you'll need for all things cannabis. Find the latest cannabis news, videos, and stories, ranging from business and tech to sports and medicine. Start your career in cannabis by seeking, identifying, and applying for jobs through our expansive listings. For businesses, 420cloud.com features a full-scale cross-channel network, monetizing high traffic for big data conversion and analytics. Download 420 Cloud now from the iTunes Store or Google Play. MSIG.com is a publicly listed company on the OTC. Symbol MCIG. Strainwise Consulting is the most sought-after consulting company for cannabis business applications and management contracts. We consulted on the first recreational license in the world and have had an over 95% success rate on applications submitted. The industry is growing at such an exponential rate that building a powerful and lasting cannabis business is a number one priority. Here's Strainwise's Sean Eubanks. In our first five years, we branded and supported nine medical and recreational marijuana dispensaries and approximately 160,000 square feet of sophisticated and efficient product cultivation. Strainwise Consulting has the experience and expertise to guide you through the process. Banking and Bud, understanding the business of cannabis. Welcome back to The Green Rush, only on CannabisRadio.com. So we are back with Alan Brockstein. So, Alan, um, let's take a little bit of a, a slightly different perspective right now. You look at lots and lots of companies um, and you're talking to lots and lots of CEOs. Who is your favorite right now? And I'm not asking you to pick um, a stock. I, I don't care if they're public or private, but who's the guy out there who you think is Elon Musk or, or a girl? Who's, or um, even right or it's woman. It's interesting you say girl, but I, I I wish I could say it is a girl, but uh, you know I, I want to be careful the way I answer that. Uh, I have a lot of potential conflicts of interest answering that, but let so let me give you one that's a private company and uh, not a client of mine or anything like that, just to make sure there's no conflicts of interest. But it's a good story. Uh, it's a guy named Ben Curran who runs a company called Green Bits. And so I don't want to anoint him my favorite, but I do love the story conceptually that he's a guy from outside the industry who uh, he, he's in California, but and he made a lot of money. It's all public, uh, what he's done previously. And he saw an opportunity uh, to be a technology provider into the space. So Green Bits does point of sale uh, stuff. And, and they took like 50% plus market share in Washington. And now they're expanding in other states. Wow. And they may be raising capital now from what I understand, but they, they their whole start was self-funded, bootstrapped. And the guy just has the, the, the number one problem I see in the space or have seen has been you get cannabis heavy companies that don't have business savvy or you get these businessmen that have no clue what they're doing. And there's a lot of both of those. And in this in this instance, here's a guy who knew exactly what he was doing and has done and executed very well. And we actually have a client. 
uh, I'm not going to even name it, but it's the same thing where, you know, some, and this is why I would say to your earlier question about people entering the space, if you're really good at something, like I think I'm really good at something and I found my niche. So you don't have to right. come into the space as a grower. So if you're really good at something, some sort of software, and you can take that and modify it to make it work for the cannabis industry, which can be extremely challenging uh, from a regulatory standpoint, then that's that's really an interesting approach. So hope I okay. answered that one. Cool. So you you know you look at tons of these companies. Do you invest your own money? I don't, and I get that question a lot. And some people love my answer, and some people hate it. So I'll just give it to you, and we can talk about it. But so going back uh, to the early days and through today, I've run model portfolios for my subscribers. And so the last thing I want to do is create a conflict of interest uh, in front running would be one. So as a CFA, right. I, I definitely don't want to front run the people that are paying me for my service. And so if I were to, even if I let them go first and say, buy ABC, and by the way, to your listeners, there is no ABC. I made that up. <laughs> but uh, if, if I were to say that, and then I bought it for myself after, well, who am I really serving at that point? If I wanted to sell it for myself, I'd have to make everybody else sell it too. It, it really gets convoluted. And a little deeper layer, uh, we I started working with public companies uh, a little bit over a year ago in a very specific manner. And I don't, I'm not a stock promoter. I'm not out there telling people to buy the stock. And sometimes I feel like I tell people not to buy the stock just to be careful. But uh, again, I don't really want to invest in, in my clients. So the answer is definitely no. So I, I feel like I come acro uh, across a lot more objectively by adhering to that policy. Well, we talked a little bit about this before, and I think this was an interesting perspective that you don't bet your own money on it, but you've bet your career on it, which is yeah, my definitely says that. something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's true. Um, so we actually do this segment. It's called Puff Puff Pass. Uh, and what we do is we ask guests to tell us two things they love about the industry and one thing they hate about the industry. Yep. So uh, two I things you love. Go. Yeah. So one of the things I really like, and uh, I'm going to call it inclusiveness. And uh, I'm not a tree hugger or anything like that. But and this is obviously becoming more and more of a popular topic. Well, I don't know. Big, big, big plants with big buds are often called trees. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, but in, in, in outside of my professional life, like last night, I moderated uh, an interfaith dinner. So I'm totally into inclusiveness and have really come to embrace that. And one of the things I like about this industry is, and some people look at the glasses half empty here, but because we don't have majority female uh, in executive leadership or the minority situation is a little bit challenging, but I feel like in this industry, there's a lot of attention being paid to the, the concept of making it inclusive from uh, ethnic minorities and for females. And, and it's not perfect, but I mean, we, we contribute, we, uh, 2% of our revenue is earmarked for contributions. But the fact that that even exists, the fact that there's a lot of media attention on it now. And, uh, I, I do feel like, you know, people will say, you know, only 30 or 35% female exec, but you look at other industries and we're already ahead. So that's that's one thing. I feel like uh, there's a lot of inclusiveness or a desire to be more inclusive. Then, uh, And I would also say on that, uh, I, I said ethnic minorities and females, but I'd also say young people. And uh, I think the industry's 
really open to young people. And uh, I've met a lot of really neat ones. Then the second point I would make would be just the innovation. It's been, you know, why would anybody innovate in a, in a market where everything's sold in a plastic bag and looks the same, right? So now we're moving to a point where brilliant people can do things that really have an impact. And so we've seen a, a lot of innovation on in the extraction and vaporization on the consumption side. We're seeing innovation in packaging. We're seeing innovation in market segmentation and creating products specifically for women, uh, things like that. Uh, advanced uh, edibles. I think we were talking earlier about rapid onset. Uh, people are able to, we're talking about PhDs coming into this industry. So uh, I, that's probably the second thing I really like. And then you okay, want to know I don't like. And the, yeah, yeah, what's the one you'll pass on? Yeah. So, look, I'm pretty known to be negative, so I should you should have inverted and give me like two things. But <laughs> the, the one thing that really bothers me, and the people that don't like me don't get this. I don't like the hype, and I call out a lot of hype. And it's not just public companies; it's also private companies. And I see the pitch decks, you know. Yes, we have no revenue now, but we're going to have 100 million in two years, that kind of garbage. And the reason I really don't like that, these people that hype, they suck the air out of the room for the real entrepreneurs. And I have a lot of conversations with people that seem to be good at running their businesses or have great ideas, but they're not necessarily hypesters and it hurts them. And there's fake funds out there that tell people they'll invest and they string them along. But all they're doing is trying to get them to commit to selling equity, and then they go out and try to raise the money to close the deal, which is wrong because it shuts those people down after they don't get their money. So hype. Hype is what I don't like. Yeah, I, it, it is. And I think it's in, like we said, it's endemic in the exchanges. So we are now at the end of our time with you. Um, and I wish we had more because this was a really fascinating conversation. And I look forward to actually getting to meet you face to face in the, the coming weeks and months. Definitely. So that's it. For, that's it for today. Um, a special thanks to our guest, Alan Brockstein. Yeah, thank you. 420 Investor. Um, make, check, make sure to check out his news um, and his new app. Uh, the new Cannabis Ventures app, which I live by every day. He can also be found on Twitter at Invest420. He's all over Facebook. Um, we'll get that LinkedIn group you had mentioned also and put it in the show notes. Um, clearly a special thanks to Nick Opich for helping us produce this podcast. Um, he is the, the associate producer extraordinaire. If you want to chat with us, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter with the handle at GreenRushComs, as well as on our brand new website, which is uh, kcsa-cannabis.com or you can drop us an email at greenrush at kcsa and please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher or your um, favorite podcatcher uh, and thank you so much for kicking my ass every single day my pleasure <laughs> The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.